Ooh, welcome, Bike. Wow. Two big contents. What do we got? That was a big welcome, Bike. Had, We're, to, had to catch you off guard. You brought a lot of great topics to the table, but because we've Thank talked you. about it so many times here. Hold on. Marlon texted me. Okay. Hold on. I'm in the middle of filming a fucking. No, video. whenever Marlon he texts text me, me, it's normally uh, an emergency. What do we got? Um, Anything good? No, he said. What's our ranking on podcast? Looked and we're not even top 200. <laughs> we're a YouTube-focused show. Does he have, like, uh, any... I, I'd imagine as, like, an NFL player, he's probably like, why aren't we, like, viral right now? Well, why aren't we, like, the Kelseys? The fir- because the first episode, we got to, like, 101. And I was like... And and I've been telling him, like, we're going to be a top three podcast if we do X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. We haven't really done X, Y, and Z. Uh, mostly, like, on the guest front. And so I think he's looking at podcasts and I got to let him know that. Yeah, because we send everyone to YouTube because honestly, growing podcasts is so tough because the algorithm like there's nothing that fuels it versus YouTube right now. We're like firing on all cylinders. Every clip is in the algo. You well, can that's grow. What I mean. Does he get excited about like, OK, so I saw you post yesterday like, oh, yeah. we had our first 50,000 yeah. video view and like your subscribers are going up by like the thousands. Yeah. And this is also, again, something that we've talked about a million times. It's. When you're starting a new project or even you're a beginning creator, you've hit scale with multiple platforms yeah. at this point, right? But you hitting a new that you hitting 5,000 on punchline is equally if not far more exciting than you hitting 500,000 on Snapchat. Oh, you know what sure. I mean? Like yeah. and, and I think that's just another reminder to smaller creators when they're starting, you don't have to look at bigger creators to get excited about like benchmarks and and yeah follower count numbers because you're going to be equally excited every time you hit 100 every time you hit your first thousand kind of thing now you knowing how how hard it is to actually like grow these things yeah. organically and grow them in uh in the way that you're doing it right now what is what is his point of view on like we hit eight thousand subscribers our first video went fifty thousand. like you know that yeah, yeah. that's killing it for you yeah, guys yeah. like you guys are doing it the right way yeah. and it's growing really really well right like sustainably etc what what does he say um, no, that's a good question. Well, apparently he does because he texts me. That's probably the first time in a while that he's sent a text. But we went over the numbers on Monday, so I think he's a little more tuned in than, than normal. Um, His teammates make fun of him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, what does he say? Yeah, I don't think he's fully been tapped in like as much as, like into rankings or stuff. But um, he, I think he's... He's starting to see like a couple things come through where I feel like we're at is like I jokingly texted Casey this morning. Like I don't I almost don't want the Odell episode to happen, which is what we've been kind of waiting for Mm -hmm. because I'm really enjoying the steady growth. And each episode is essentially like a one out of ten, which is great. Even a non guest like today is outperforming our starts to some of the, the post episodes, which means like YouTube is really finding our audience and people are really tuned in. Obviously, like to scale, you can continue to grow like this. And by the end of the season, if we just continued on this path, probably get to like 25,000 subscribers or something, which would be awesome for season one. Or we could get Odell and get a million views and we'd probably be at like 50,000 subscribers. Like that's that's what I've seen. Trey Young's podcast, he went from like, 4,000 to 20,000 because they had Lonzo on it got 700,000 and then RG3 they haven't had a long it's interesting the, the one I've been most tapped into is RG3's podcast 
which is also done by Wave, who does Paul George and the Kelsey Brothers. And they were they started after us a couple of weeks after us. They they were always behind us by like a thousand or so. Recently, they've passed us in subscribers. They've had some shorts go like mega viral, like mm. seven hundred thousand views, million views, one or two of them. And so subs have really gone up for them. But their long form stuff is still like underperforming per se. Um, so that's kind of the one that I, I use as a barometer for us. But yeah, the, the steady growth has been good. We we popped off on an episode and yeah, it's uh, it's been fun. So let me ask you on that note, like uh, you said, some of those podcasts, like their shorts have popped off a yeah. little bit. Now, coming from where you came from in terms of how you guys grew your last YouTube channel through shorts. Yeah. Are you, you guys are, I'm assuming, putting some shorts up on your YouTube channel? We are, we are, on Punchline. So, and you feel a lot more comfortable doing it now because the content is so As long so as connected. the content's related, yeah. 100%, I would push shorts. Now, it is interesting, though, because with RG3's podcast, it's like, is it going to send it out to shorts viewers who actually still only want to do shorts? Our shorts will get anywhere from like 6 to 12K. We've had some pop to like 100K or so, but for the most part, they're just in like a 10, 12,000 view range. And I, I've seen the Kelsey Brothers podcast. Theirs are now like their floor seems to be 150,000 and, and most of them are going to do a million, which just matches up with their viewership in general and their subscribers. So the reason I brought this all up is because we're – we are deleting our, not deleting, but we're kind of sunsetting our main channel on YouTube, Snap Exports, which has 600,000 subscribers. If you've listened to the show before, it's been, you know, a constant conversation. We went from uh, like 30,000 to 600,000 off short form content. We got to take that down. Yeah, we take the black yeah. down now. We got um, our own now, so we could put that up. We can replace it. <laughs> um, but but the way we grew our short form content was through stuff that didn't match the content on the account. So what was happening was we would post a really good piece of long form content that we know we've gotten much better at. And we've seen little things in the algorithm that would say, okay, thumbnail packaging, titling, and intro are really strong here because we'll see like a little jump. The problem is it's being sent out to 100 people and the CTR is 3% because of the, the audience we've grown. Yeah. In theory, Punchline, where the shorts are fully related to Marlin and the NFL, and same thing with the RG3 show, and, and anyone who's doing shorts, as long as the content matches, it shouldn't kill your CTR. But at this point, we've posted almost like five months worth of videos, and the click-through rate is 3%. And, and what's so encouraging about Punchline is we're seeing... You know, the, for the first couple hours, we're at like 18, 20, 25%. And then it, it obviously drops off to like 9 or 10, but that's where you want to be at that 10%. So we're essentially, we talked to our YouTube consultant who we've been working with, and we gave it a fair shot over the last two months specifically, where we're like, we know this content is good enough to mm -hmm. get X. It's just not going to be fed. And he was like, look, you'll probably post for two or three years and turn this thing around. Like, potentially yeah. it would be a slow 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 grind or like what i think we've all felt i i wouldn't even say the whole time like i did think there was a chance that youtube could find its audience uh, based off the content we were doing but it's clear that that they're not going to the audience was like 50 percent international which we know from punchline like to have a really strong audience for what we're doing it's like 90 percent you know uh us so yeah we're gonna start a new channel it's gonna be pretty much uh, the same. But the one thing that is lacking that I know for sure on the YouTube front is the content's good. The packaging's good. We'll be in this new kind of ecosystem algorithm. 
But we do still have to give people a reason to click. And that is what has been lacking from our Thursday videos. The experience is awesome, but like no one really needs a reason to go click for that. So that doesn't mean you have to give them clickbait, but we have to pretty much give them a reason to click. And that's the last piece of the puzzle that I'm excited to figure out. Okay, so if you're moving to the new channel, mm -hmm. you're going to start raw. You're not going to repurpose any of the content. No. Because obviously it's a little bit out of date because it's based on different sporting events yeah, that yeah, have happened yeah. recently. Yeah, so we're going to start raw. The first video is going to be us going to three games in 48 hours, which is going to be uh, World Series. We ran over to Wemby against the Suns and then flew to Pittsburgh for Thursday Night Football. And so then next week where we would have done, where the content of the video is not going to change much. It's more so going to be a lot about packaging. So we feel really good about the tier system that we've been using in the videos, which is like ranking food, ranking experience, ranking, you know, all those different things, keeping it quick, having fun, little back and forth challenges with it. But next week we'll do that, but it's actually going to be based off a format that we know works, which is Soldier Field has like a ton of one-star ratings on Yelp. And like it's mm. Panthers-Bears. It's the worst game of the season, right? And so everyone's perception is this is like, why would anyone go to this game? It's going to suck. So we kind of like debunk that theory. And It's like we made the worst game of the season really awesome. Exactly. And, like and so I'm glad you said that because yesterday I asked Trent, who, who's who we're working with, um, I was like, what, what's the checklist for starting this new channel? Like, what do you need from us? And he was like, well, what do you want the brand to be? What do you want the, the mm -hmm. theme of the channel to be? And I was like, by the way, for creators, this is hyper important. Like when you think about someone coming to your page, they need to know right away what they're seeing so that they know, do I relate to this? Do I get information from this? And I said, the more I think about this, cause I get asked all the time, like, what is snap exports? What do you guys do? I realize, like, we make sports fun. Like, we we love sports. We like sports and we don't care who knows. And knowing also feedback over the years, like, you think, you know, you got to be really specific. Like, we love sports. We like sports and we don't care who knows. Football, 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 tennis, hockey, golf. For this reason, and we do this and this. And I was like... But we just love sports. Like, we love going to sports, talking about sports, playing video games and sports. And he was like, look, that's fine. We love sports. But I would do a video game channel. I would do a podcast if you're going to talk sports. I'm fine with that. But sports and sports experiences, I think, can live on its own. He said, top, like, video by video, you're going to have to get way more specific, right? Like, we can't go to three games to be like, we love going to sporting events, right? Mm -hmm. you got to package it in a certain way. But... I really do think like that is what Snapback Sports is as a company. It's just like a community and fans who love sports and sporting experiences and, and all that type of stuff. So um, I feel good about that. And I feel good about like, I mean, I'm just excited to, like you were saying earlier, the, the building from scratch is way more fun once you've done it. Um, I'd rather have a million subscribers today, but you know, you gotta you gotta do it the right way. Yeah, I when I think of you now, knowing you personally, I, I think of like sporting events for yeah. sure, like someone who is deeply ingrained into like the experience that sports brings you. Live sports, it doesn't matter what event it particularly is, yeah. but like just the idea and the atmosphere of of being at these events and and like being one with everybody else in the community, yeah. the athletes, all that kind of stuff. That yeah. that's definitely the way I think about 
snapback now. Yeah. And honestly, until this past week, like I was kind of lost in what we were. Mm-hmm. And it's a nice feeling to like identify that. And I think like you just said, you see it now. I If I had asked you prior to this conversation, you'd probably be like, yeah, like yeah, this, this and this. But I think once we kind of set that as the narrative, then people will be like agreeing with that. Narrative. Yeah, it's it, you set the narrative and then you can t- consistently show up as that yes and people will they'll believe your words but they will start to actually like they'll feel it they'll connect it like their yeah. brain will start connecting you with the actions that you continuously like provide to yeah. them and what sense. and what you've always taught me is like you're just gonna burn <clears throat> out if you do like if you're faking it right mm-hmm. which is why we're we're doing stuff. This was my biggest pushback with Trent, with even Casey, because they want us to go more the, you know, play the YouTube game. I'm fine with playing the YouTube game as long as it feels natural and organic. And everything we did, which was going to the World Series, trying food, betting on the game, enjoying the game, and then running to go see Wemby play, is actually something that I would do, yeah. right? It's not like it did not feel unorganic um, as opposed to, I can give like an analogy to the first video we did on the, on this original channel where we went to eight games in 10 hours and we were just going from Brooklyn back. It's like, I w- it doesn't really make sense to me. Like if I'm going to go to these games, like I wouldn't go for <laughs> four minutes just to say I did it for a YouTube yeah. video. You know what I mean? I think a lot of what like scaling in the creator economy really boils down to systemizing your passions. Yeah, Like that is at the end of the day, it's like, this is what I want to build around the passion, the thing that I love. And it's like, how do we organize it? How do we systematize it? How do we put it into a package that makes sense for both parties, mm-hmm. me enjoying it, but allowing other people to enjoy it with me. Yeah. Cause if you don't keep the audience conscious or in mind, then the packaging will be all fucked up. Right. And you can't grow and you could, you know, experience it however you want. But if you're trying to grow as a media brand or a creator in the realm, you have to think of it from both ways. Yeah. So I think systematizing, your passion is probably the way that you push forward as a um, creator in the economy. And bringing up the Jay-Z thing that I sent you over, it was just something small. I saw that someone, I don't know what reporter asked Jay-Z about, you know, making new music, whether or not he's working on it. He said, I have to be saying something important. It has to mean something. And I've actually thought about this a lot with musicians in particular. And it just, uh, ironically, anyone could have said that obviously Mm -hmm. about any project, but I think about a lot of the hip hop artists and like rappers that I, liked a lot when they were younger because they were coming up and they were really hungry and they were like going through the grind of getting there and i think a lot of times you see hip-hop in in particular like i think that's the culture that they've created is like try to stay young for as long as you can Mm -hmm. and you have like 45 year olds 55 year olds kind of like acting like they're 25 i think that's the culture they've created but by the time you get to that point your life is not you're not hungry your life is not relatable to like what it used to be Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of the times you see a lot of it too is a lot of uh artists they'll fall in love, they'll get married, they'll have kids. And then it's just like, music is different. Like you're a different person. You're not providing the same type of uh, value in a sense. And and it's the same way I've always thought about content. It's like, I don't, I'm never going to force the content. It has to feel like I have something to say. And a lot of it goes back to like experiencing or just living your real outside life is typically what ends up um, inspiring the content that you make, no matter what industry you're in, mm-hmm. like for sports, for fantasy football, but for branding and marketing, like so many of the conversations I have or so many of the inspirations I have for content come from just being out there and and living life. And a lot of times, like Jay-Z at this point, he's probably very, like 
he does business more than he does music now. Yeah. He can make a lot of rap songs about like business, about being like an entrepreneur, which would be cool, but it yeah. wouldn't really fit like the rap hip hop culture anymore, you know, because you have to be like street, mm-hmm. right? You have to be like in that mindset to be successful commercially, especially for like a rapper. And I don't know. I was just thinking about it. And I was like, I kind of relate to this in the sense that like creators, artists, musicians, any kind of creative person should be presenting their work through a lens of like, I feel like I need to do this, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I mean, it's impressive. You, you brought Jay-Z into this conversation. Me and Jay-Z, you know, (laughs) we see eye and eye. Similar, similar. Uh, You also shared a Greg Eisenberg tweet and the, the title of it was, is children's YouTube cancer from a friend. I noticed within one to three days of my four year old watching YouTube, it literally changes him and takes us weeks to correct the behavior um here's a look at the most subscribed to channels and it looks like it's some children's stuff you wrote how impactful a single piece of content can be on the younger demo i would say i I just think that's content in general how impactful not even on the younger demo think about the amount of people who watch one two minute video oh yeah well i split those those two were not those two were like separate it was like how impactful a single piece of content can be and it's like Oh, more okay. particularly like the impact yeah, on the yeah, younger okay, demographic yeah. because they are very moldable. Of course. Like a piece of content to us can obviously eh, be... I would argue that, that that there's just as many 30-year-olds out there who are being molded by one piece of content. But they have priors coming in. A lot of like younger kids don't have priors, so that right. becomes their right, only right. thought process. Yeah. But I agree. It, that that uh, tweet in, in itself is obviously extremely... Um, yeah. what, uh, what's the word for like when you're using... You're basing... Thought-provoking? No, no, no. Like you're basing a, a hypothesis or you're, you're basing an assumption based on like your own anecdotal. Like yeah, that's yeah. anecdotal evidence, right? Like this person was like, hey, my you, my my five-year-old watches yeah, a YouTube yeah, yeah. video and his entire behavior changes yeah. for the next like four days and we have to recorrect that. Yeah. That's uh, a little bit terrifying and a little bit scary. Wait, but the, my <laughs> honest response to the to the younger demo part was it's the same as letting your kid watch like Kill Bill. Like, of course, that, w- that would mold them. Uh, like, just because it, my point is, just because it's on YouTube, right, does not mean you should think, as a parent, does not mean you should think about that piece of content any different than, you know, not letting your kid watch on TV. All I'm trying to say is, if you hand your kid the, the YouTube, then, like, you need to be watching what they're watching, making sure they're not watching. Stuff. It's just the overstimulation and the accessibility. It's like, they could watch Kill Bill, but... Yeah. Also, in that time, they could watch 57 different fucking TikToks. And also, those things, those types of things, obviously Kill Bill, a little bit more intense. Most of the time, TV is, like, vetted for viewer pleasure experience. You kind of, there's not really a ton of restrictions on content as it relates to, like, social media platforms. Yeah, but what the four-year-old's watching, I feel like, is... The, the point is probably they're watching Ryan's toys and then Ryan's getting all yeah. these toys and they and then they think having toys is the end goal of life. Now all they think about <laughs> is toys. They throw a fit until they get their toy, right? Something like that. Um, it just seems like poor parenting. In my yeah. Opinion. But I, mean, I do think yeah. that the larger scope of the conversation is how impactful a piece of content should be. And people need to stop thinking and separating content into television, movie, YouTube, social, like... Everything you, is content. Everything you, um, you read impacts you. Do you are you on like YouTube personally ever? It, uh, I've been trying to because uh, Trent was like, you need to see what works on YouTube, what draws your attention. I what. was about to say, what do you know? You probably have never thought about this yeah. before, but what do you think is maybe a commonality or something that makes you click subscribe to a channel? 
subscribe. I'm rarely subscribing to a channel. Mm-hmm. Um, so virtually nothing. Like I don't okay. watch anyone consistently. Okay. So so I use it more as like an exploratory. Okay. And, so and let's there's say, not something that's been drawing me in recently, to be okay. honest. Let's see. You, let's say you're doing some research on uh, a new camera. Okay. Right. And you just search it, whatever. And at this point, you're coming in with a zero yeah. knowledge about the space. You watch a video and you think a certain Would way about it. Would never subscribe. Right. You don't subscribe. And then you say, hey, I'm going to go into the search bar and search a different piece of equipment. Mm-hmm. When you're looking through the thumbnails now, one of the thumbnails has the face of the guy of the video you just watched. Yeah. That is a sense of, or, or a... Uh, kind of a relationship with subscribing to a channel in a mm-hmm. sense, like you are re-clicking into that ecosphere. What about that piece of content would make you jump back in, I guess? What about, like, cause when I think of a good piece of content, right? When I yeah. think of how to build a brand correctly or getting someone to subscribe, my thought process is, and, and just in the, in, the, uh, in the conversation of changing people's behavior, it's like if you go into a piece of content and that piece of content makes you think differently about something that you held a strong belief in, or it just teaches you something about something that you had no Mm -hmm. prior knowledge of that in my eyes makes a good piece of content. And I think that's a lot of what like the how to's are in a sense. Um, but also people that are strongly opinionated. Yeah. I'm not going to subscribe to how to's unless I think I'm going to need. It's going to become a huge part of your life. Exactly. So like if I was trying to learn how to use a telescope and the first how-to was, like, really informative of what equipment to buy and then the best places to stargaze, like, stuff like that. Yeah, I would subscribe. But so that's more, like, hobby niche. Or I would subscribe if I wanted continuous content from a certain person. And there there isn't anything right now that I'm necessarily – that's just not my content behavior for the most part. Okay, so the bar – for someone our age, the bar in order to change our opinion is higher than that of a five-year-old, right? <laughs> yeah. When you're watching a video, what what do you mm, think it is? People are pretty stubborn. These I'm I'm talking about you though in yeah, particular. Yeah, like, yeah. what is it do you th- that you think about in a video? I'm trying to get like niche here, like yeah, really like yeah. into the grid of it. What do you think about certain pieces of content that make you feel a certain way about a an opinion? Like, for instance, um, is it is it like news publications right like if uh if you're doing research on a a specific topic and you watch a video on something and someone's bringing in like oh this was published here here and here they bring in like newspaper articles or shit like that is there anything that you could think of that builds more credibility within a content creators thing that might change behavior of an older person i think data i think facts good presentation of those data and facts um, it took me a long way, a long, a really long time to try to like peel this out now. Yeah. yeah. So, so I posted a, a video yesterday, which was, could the rave, could the 2023 Ravens go down as the best team of all time? Right. What do you think the comment sections were? Like you're a fucking idiot. Yeah, for like sure. You're dumb. Which, I, think, I think you're right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Many people agree. Yeah. And so I would say the gut reaction of people to do that. of sports media is just like saying that. Right. Mm -hmm. And then some, and then Stephen A screaming into a microphone. And in this particular scenario, one, I wasn't making the claim that they are the best team. Right. I was 
posing a question, something that we will likely follow up with later in the season. But then I was just presenting a ton of data and facts. Like they rate as the third best DVOA team of all time, right? And so what I would want, if, if roles were reversed and I, were, I was the audience, I would appreciate someone who takes a, not even necessarily a stance, who proposes like a controversial or an ulterior opinion on something or ulterior argument, mm-hmm. backs it up with facts and opinions and, and then removes emotions from that. And then take that core argument and then put it into a piece of content and um, like form of content that I want to engage with. So if someone wrote that article, maybe I would be less likely to click because at that time and place, like I'm trying to consume that in video form or maybe roles are reversed. Like I'm on the train and I don't want to watch a 10 minute YouTube video. I just want to read through and see if your points actually make sense. Yeah. So that would be, and then if you're really, really good at content, if you made that argument kind of, and then you watch it develop over the course of the season, right? So I think what would what would get someone to subscribe to me on Instagram would be maybe not weekly, but the Ravens are about to go through a really tough stretch. They play two division opponents. They go on the road to, to L.A., checking in three weeks later, being like, okay, there's more data to back this up. Yeah. The Ravens go 0-3. Here's, here's the craziest part. They actually are even better, right, it was just the refs got them here and this thing happened there. And so if you continue that argument, I want to say like that's probably a lot of like how Bill Simmons, early days Bill Simmons, like really grew his audience. He wrote a – have you ever seen the book of basketball? I've heard. He that. wrote an 800-page book ranking the top 100 players. And it gives you context on everything. It gives you – like it breaks down everything. So even if you disagree – it's like, all right, I see where he's coming from. Yeah. Nowadays, Bill Simmons, he's kind of fallen into the same trap. It's just like, yeah. yeah, it's like he just says shit and, you know, no one really takes his. And so there's no, and the only people that subscribe to him, not actually the only, but the real people are like Celtics fans who are just like, yeah, I love when Bill talks about our team. So I would say like that is the type of content that, and and I don't know how many 800-page books I would read nowadays, but I read that one back in the day. You did? Um, yeah, yeah, I read every single page, which is kind of insane. What number was Donovan Mitchell? Uh, Mitchell was 24. But little, it was a little few, high. Yeah, right. it was like 15 years ago before he was in the pros. So, so he knew. Um, but point, point being, if he did come back around nowadays and wrote it again, updating the rankings, like how many people would tune in because... Well, what would happen is like, <laughs> I mean, just the way the world works now... There'd be like 18 people who actually read it. Yeah. But then every other TikTok would be like someone screenshotting yeah, yeah, yeah. a tiny like, little excerpt yeah, and be like, like Bill put this 12, guy. Yeah. yeah, some shit like that. Free marketing for him. And and that's sure. the thing. You can't if you're doing it genuinely, that wouldn't even affect you. I always no. use the example of like if I if I sat down and was like, Nick, like you're an idiot, like you have purple hair. You'd be like, no, I don't. And you know that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if you say something that that maybe you don't know, which is like, Bill, like your rankings aren't truthful, like you did it for clicks, it would offend him and probably like ruin his expert opinion if that felt true or it would feel. Well, it's a little bit different, I guess, just because like the purple hair thing is fact or fiction rather than if you were to be like purple hair but, makes you look like a. But that's XYZ. the point is if in your heart of hearts, you know, the sure. facts, yeah. then an unfactual thing would not would not affect you. That's yeah. like the analogy. I'm thinking about like the nuances of, of what gets you. I almost think about like the 
uh, creators in the midst of a piece of content is like a bell curve where it's like you're steadily building up trust. Yes. And then once you get over the hump of like, oh, this guy just taught me this or changed my mind about this, the leash that you have mm-hmm. as a creator is very long. That's true. In my opinion. It's like That's once true. you kind of get them into like being comfortable with you, you start to have this friendly but like also very trusting type of relationship and i'm trying to piece together like what exactly are the different common things within a piece of content that make you do that and it is data for sure it is the research it is all those things it's also it's yeah it's just trust and and building good faith i'll give you another example of what i've noticed with my audience underdog right where we're rewarded when people sign up on underdog but so playing against the grain being like that's not my only north star it's like, I'm going to get a bunch of shit wrong or like. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm going to get shit wrong. Um, I like have, there's, there's posts, right? There's piece of content where 95% of other content creators, they're only going to post something underdog related when it's about a special mm-hmm. or when it's going to drive a sales new player, focus, right? right. Yeah. Whereas I will post about our process. I will post when we're on cold streaks. I will post um, different like just all different types of things that are they will equal zero new players which equals zero new mm-hmm. dollars for us but it just builds that trust and so um yeah that's i think has been the theme of this entire podcast since it started it's like you have to bring value and then build trust with your audience and those two normally are going to go hand in hand um, do you want to bring will in or do we want to talk to him after yeah, fuck it. <laughs> Will. Um, okay, so Will uh, is kind of in the final step of the interview process to be the producer for big content. We're looking for someone to come in and really just like tie everything together with this piece of content. Because up to this point, me and Jack have been making these videos for... It's I mean, been over a year. No. Yeah. No way. Yeah. I, when I was looking back, I think it's like exactly a year. Yeah. Like Holy shit. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so about a year now. And I mean, obviously we come into each episode with like a purpose and things to talk about, but I think in terms of if we're looking at big content as its own like podcast brand or project, a little bit directionless up to this point. And yeah. we've tried to like stick things together with like scotch tape, but at this point, well, I don't want to say directionless. I want to say we don't have someone then. who's driving and, and keeping us. We have a direction. True. We're just, we're just riding like a tricycle rather than a car. Exactly. To get there. We're not. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's funny, the all in podcast, like they're hiring a CEO. Oh, dude, I wanted to talk about that. Yeah, too. We had too much to talk about today and, and whatever, but, uh, you're not going to be CEO of the podcast okay. yet. I mean, yet. Honestly, hopefully one day, <laughs> like on, the honestly, ho- hopefully one day, but that's the goal. It's like, get this train on the tracks to, we let, yeah. We so to g- give, give a, a, a quick background, pretty much, you know, we advertised the spot and then we had uh, a handful of applications come through and then me and Jack had kind of discussed, okay, here are probably our top four or five candidates. Let's, you know, reach out to them and say, Hey, can you put together, you know, these two or three things or whatever, get back to us. Then we'll kind of go from there. Um, and so Jack emailed you last week, you came back with some clips for us and they were good. I I enjoyed them. I think they're kind of exactly what we're looking for and something that we could for sure, like build on top of. Um, and then jokingly, we had talked about like, hey, we need to kind of move on this project as we're continuing. To we were work. waiting till today. We had seen your yeah. stuff. I was going to. And then you text me. And then he was, you know, in very Nick fashion. He was like, uh, 
like, should we have him come into the office? I was like, you know what? That wasn't okay. even, I was just like, bring him in. Right. No, he was <laughs> being him, serious. I was like, tell him to come I in right now. I was texting you. I like, felt like I was pledging again. <laughs> <laughs> just like, be here in 20 minutes. Fully expected like that not to, I had no yeah. expectation of you actually coming in. Yeah. Um, but, but that Let's is, fucking go. that is like 100% obviously what we're looking for. Like that's the type of style that, that we want to, we want to find. So we're glad you're here. Perfect. Um, yeah, so we didn't actually have anything planned here. No, we're we could, I could totally run an interview. Right <laughs> yeah, all right, go it. ahead. Let's, let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, yeah, well, I guess I want to ask. We'll we'll get some of the standard questions sure. out of the way because I've read the the application you put through, but I kind of want to hear more in your words. Like, and, and real quick, sorry to cut you off, but I think what we're always thinking about what value can we drive for for people, and this is a good example. I think of like we show an actual interview process. We talk about what separated you from the pack, like what you did, which was you know pledging for a day <laughs> and, and getting here on time. So yeah, I, I just want to put that out there. Yeah, we don't need to go into like the actual details of your entire background, but I guess like what got you here was your ability to edit your ability to communicate and you have experience doing that in different industries that are related to like what we're doing, whether it's content, but mainly sports. Yeah, for sure. So I guess like getting into the media space in general, did you do that right out of school? Yeah. I mean, I have been in the sports media space since third grade, I would say like wow. that is always what I've wanted to do. My buddy and I did a magazine in third grade just on Microsoft Word. Okay. Nice. Just to like write about sports. Love That's that. always what I've wanted to do. Uh went to Syracuse for that very reason. Like went there for like broadcast journalism, but like it's very news heavy there. Like you hear of Costas and those guys who come yeah. out of there. But like what they want you to do is work for a local news station in Montana for three yeah. years. And like as much as I'm here for the grind, like I'm not moving to Montana for three years. <laughs> yeah. Like you know what I mean? Especially like when shit like this can be happening. Yeah. Like where you could do it right here in your apartment or in this awesome office space like i realized like that's probably not for me the best way for me to enter the space is probably to pick up production and figure it out on the fly which is super easy like adobe suite you learn it in a day it's yeah. not that hard uh i started Jack. working for sports illustrated <laughs> um for a couple years during college um again like i have a very strong golf background because i grew up in golf not that many people are interested in covering golf which helped me enter the space um, so I worked with them while I was in school. Like, they sent me to tournaments to help video produce and stuff. Uh, then worked for MLB Network right out of school, doing live TV production. And then since then, I've been with Golf Digest for five years. Just, I mean, luckily enough, I worked pretty much strictly for Tiger Woods for two years, wow, which was geez. awesome. Just traveled um, pretty much to every tournament he went to with him, uh, creating content. And then since his injury, just all over the golf space, a lot of influencer uh, posting, uh, working with Hallie Ledbetter, who's a big golf influencer a lot. Um, and just been in the space ever since, kind of worked my way through that to like more branded content um, for, for social media and for the website. Um, big focus on YouTube now, obviously it's become a much bigger focus for us. But yeah, I mean, I've been in sports media as long as I can remember. The most, yeah. the most impressive thing to me, which you didn't even mention, and the most relevant and why... I think you differentiate is talk about the Arsenal podcast. Oh yeah. So during the pandemic, like no longer going to the office, golf also stopped for a little while. Yeah. Um, There's only so much we could do. We were doing zoom interviews, but like everyone's doing zoom interviews. And like from an editing standpoint, there's only so much you can do, especially when we don't own the rights. And since we're such a big like media company, when we, to illegally use rights, they immediately tell us to bring it down. <laughs> so like there's, you were just using Getty images, like I'm banging out projects in, in hours uh, versus what used to be weeks. And so I had extra time. I've always wanted to be not just 
you know, in production, but like I have my own voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm a huge Arsenal fan. We have a huge match against Sevilla at three o'clock today. <laughs> this is over. Hopefully I'll get to watch it. Um, Welcome to turn it on here. <laughs> appreciate it. Oh, wait, um, we're actually doing soccer trivia today. Our, I'm not going to participate No, but we're, Do you know Babita tailgate? Have you seen them? They, they go oh, he would be fucking perfect to be in it. Yeah. That's I'd love to. Yeah. I'm glad that you connected those. Though. Well, you were like, we're doing <laughs> soccer content today. Like I ain't doing that. Yeah. But like in your office. Okay. Anyways, they're, they do con- trip. Anyways, oh, continue on. Continue. I mean, I tried out the um, fanboy when I walked in, but I am a huge fan of the trivia. Content. The, um, <laughs> the, but yeah. So did you do um, your research on my fandom? No, but I'm going to just go ahead and guess you're a Chelsea fan. Mm-mm. The other side of, of, uh, the match on Monday. You're a Tottenham fan. Brutal. Yeah. Well, they're rivals. Know, always, I know you don't know anything. Those first eleven games. I understand. I understand. Like you guys show. had last year. Right? Well, it was like more like twenty-eight, but yeah, <laughs> sure. That's exactly what my buddy texted me when yeah. I texted him that. Um, anyway, back to my Arsenal thing. Yeah. So, to me, like I'm sure, as it's the same with football, Twitter, and anything. There's a huge like soccer. We'll call it soccer, but they call it football. Yeah. Twitter space um, that I've always wanted to get involved in, but I wanted to find a niche that like I could cover. Um, and I've always been super, super interested in kind of the their version of college and high school sports, which is the Youth Academy. And so I run an account that basically strictly covers um, the under-18 team, the under-19 team, and the under-21 team, uh, as well as, I'm sure you guys know about, like, the loan system. Mm-hmm. Um, and so all of the players, we currently have 15 players on loan um, to other teams. So they're still under contract with Arsenal, but playing the year on another team. Uh, and do I, I do a weekly podcast on, like, basically what they're doing. And then also I do a profile every week on some random player in the academy. So this past week, uh, there's this 15-year-old Danish kid who is playing with the under-21s, which is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's already six foot four, 15. <laughs> Same. Yeah, so he's a huge, huge deal. There's a lot of hype around him. I figured best time to do a profile on him. It's like a little 10-minute profile, but I really, more than anything, just love doing it. Yeah. And so I'm I mean, trying to Casey, you're going to get along so well. Uh, soccer yeah, well. Shit. I actually need a text. Is there any sport that you don't know in depth? Uh, I mean, like, don't be like not obscure shit. I mean, no, like the hockey. main sport. I, I mean, I watch hockey, but like, no obscure shit. He said, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that to, that to me. I mean, that's definitely like a main. I thought you were gonna no, be like NASCAR. I don't follow. Like, of course, well, yeah, NASCAR probably, probably got bigger following than than hockey. Maybe, but I, mean, I feel like from a general sports fan though, like if you get how many? Okay. The, the, the crossover from like a baseball, basketball, football fan, I feel like it's probably think larger towards. I don't in that hockey. conversation anymore, though. I don't. Either. I don't just mean from a popularized though, but I do think I, I think the overlap between those three major sports to hockey is probably greater from a, a percentage standpoint. I mean, soccer's thousand bucks. Fourth. You can tell me who's in the cover of NHL twenty three. It's not Connor McDavid. Mm-mm. It's got to be a Bruin. They had like a historic season. Mm-mm. It's, it's an a penguin. Anaheim Duck. And, it, and oh, then there's a I girl. just said that was a penguin. <laughs> I feel like the girlfriend in those TikTok videos. And there's a there's a girl. On the yeah, no fucking idea. Yeah. If it's not Connor but, Bedard, then I don't know who it is. Right. Do you know who Connor McDavid is? Maple Leafs? No. no that's Oilers. Austin Matthews. Okay, this is my point. Austin Matthews. By the way, if you're ever going to see a hockey game, go see an Oilers game. I happened to be in D.C. for a night, and they were playing the Oilers. Yeah. And Mc- I was like, I need to see this kid play. Everyone says he's the greatest athlete. Like he's going four times as fast yeah. as the guys. McDavid. So he's like the, the Gretzky, and he's like, he's just like he's beyond. Okay. Like I want I want to get back though because I have, <laughs> did, I have I, a, did I stray? From I have a, yeah yeah. There's too much sports talk for me right now. Well, let's talk about the podcast specifically. What like what you do with it um, from a production standpoint? How you produce it? Are you doing social clips? What platforms you're focused on? Definitely. Like that's what's going to apply to us. I would say for sure. Uh, I mean. 
Truthfully, I need to be more committed to social clipping and using YouTube and getting a better recording space. Um, it's pretty much strictly audio right now. I use a lot. I just have a Twitter account, so I don't have an Instagram. Uh, I started a TikTok, which I started to do a little bit of um, kind of promoting there, like kind of clipping what I'm saying alongside highlights on top, kind of split screening mm -hmm. it um, and saw some decent results with that. Uh, but yeah, no, like I need to do more work on that. A lot of that. My background in that is strictly with my actual job where I'm paid to do it, which is, yeah, yeah I mean, I'm clipping two or three. And you work for? Golf Digest. Golf Digest, okay. Um, yeah, so it's like, you know, clip it. We have three podcasts right now. I used to have four. I'm just, you know, picking the best moments like I did for you guys um, to post and, and promote scheduling-wise. And is, uh, is your selection of Arsenal's Academy and loans uh, based off what you thought would perform best or an opportunity or you actually find more intrigue in that than you know covering the team as a whole um so originally i found that if i'm going to break into the space that already has hundreds of people who are have right. thousands of followers yep. what's going to make me different um and so I, personally as a fan there aren't really i didn't find that there were enough um people who are doing this and so i was like all right like, I'm looking for this. There's got to be other Arsenal fans yeah. who are looking for this. There just has to be. Uh, and very quickly, I realized that. I mean, I haven't spent, I never spent a dollar. And, you know, within the first month, like, just from posting, like, basically profiles, I started in the summer during the offseason. So I did something called. Uh, you started this summer? No, no. Uh, uh, last summer. Okay. Uh, in the offseason. And I was, I did something called school in July. So every day in July, I did a, like, a thread on a player. Mm -hmm. um, and by, like, the fourth player I had over a thousand followers wow. just because people were interested in like not that I'm this end-all be-all source and a lot of what I get is just from doing the research and yeah. doing the work but it's just kind of all aggregated there for people so I mean easy. this is this is the playbook this like, is it right here is, yeah and just is, like building on top of that yeah. that's something uh, similar strategy in the fantasy space where fantasy football is so saturated now you can't just make like sit star content and expect to grow at well, all but there are people like dynasty has become its own niche to the point where that's almost saturated now people are Diving into Devi, which is What's draft, Debbie? you're drafting college players. Oh, okay. You can't, you don't play them though. They sit I on your bench. I yeah. pose this rule every year in my league. Like, yeah. Yeah. Why can't I get Marvin Harrison Jr. in the eighth round? This year? <laughs> right, like you could Devi drafts happen, and then you hold the players. But like, there's a niche now of people that are becoming popularized in the industry through Devi, and it's like a lot. It, it's a combination of packaging. Like they are obsessed with fantasy football in general, but they also watch college ball, mm -hmm. and now it's kind of intersecting between content, product, all this kind of stuff. And that's like a really valuable lesson to people out there trying to break into a saturated niche. Like there has to be an overlap between the passion and the content itself. Like you wouldn't make the content if you didn't actually still care about the under 18, under 19 players. I mean, in it's not easy to find these games or these clips. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, it, as but much as I'm that's why people appreciate your content. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm and then, clicking and then through the, the playbook. That w <laughs> the playbook we're always talking about is I, I like, you know, you mentioned you want to clip more, you want to be promoting on Instagram or TikTok. But for what you're doing specifically, I actually think the platforms you've selected, which are most people would just clip like a two and a half minute audio you know, wave file and then post it on Twitter. But you actually went native to the platform. You went threads and I would assume, I haven't checked out all your stuff, but at the end, you probably want to be like for a 30 minute on this player. Oh, like, sure. you know, two Here's minutes. Here's the link. Mm -hmm. Exactly. The biggest issue has honestly been since X, they now in the um, formula, if you post a link, yeah. it comes like up as the it. picture. Yeah. And, and it doesn't go anywhere. Nobody yeah. sees it. Yeah. Like if I were to just write exactly the same text with no image, yeah. I would get, 
eight times as many engagements yeah. than if I put the link because it doesn't show up on people's feeds. Okay, yeah. I want to I want to ask you more about um, less about like the the content you're making in particular, but more about your overview on it because you said you're really passionate about making content, right? And it's like a way for you to express yourself and your and your interests and hobbies, whatever. And you thought the best way to get into the sports media space was by actually not doing that in particular, but by going through the production route. And this is something that I talk to anyone new in here that I'll interview is, you know, not, not, not the typical, like, what's your five-year plan or where do you want to be? But like, ideally in this space, what is like, have you fallen in love with the production process to the point where you could actually spend the rest of your life doing that? Are you someone that still kind of is using that as a leverage point to eventually hopefully find the breaking point for you to become a full-time content creator? Like, where do you actually see yourself as a place in the creator sports media role? It's actually a perfect time for this question because between the time that you guys posted this, I've also been reached out to by another like kind of content agency um, mm -hmm. who want me to start a podcast for Live Golf. Um, and I'm kind of juggling whether or not my job will let me do that. This is what I was talking about, the freelance, the yeah. fucking freelance. I'm not content. joking. Like you've yeah. that podcast that you guys had me edit like literally changed my life like because <laughs> wow. i've now been telling everyone that like because i'm you know bouncing this idea off leaving my job with, yeah. with my parents and my fiance and other people i know in the sports world um and and one of the reasons why i texted you yesterday because yeah. i kind of wanted to get your opinion on it is like maybe that is the answer for me is to be a freelance content creator and maybe some of its production Damn. some of it Nick's is about to cry Damn. <laughs> I, I got goosebumps when you said that yeah. lie. seriously yeah. like maybe some of it is production maybe some of it is I do production and I meet the right people, whether it's you guys or these people who I do in the live podcast yeah. with or a million other people who then are like, you know what, you'd also be good in front of the camera. And so now not only are you paying me to do the producing, the editing, the outreach, but I'm also one of the talents on screen. Mm -hmm. I'm not on every week maybe, but like that's just kind of how I start my career. And maybe I find out that's not what I want to do, right? Yeah. Like yeah. I have some other chops, so I can kind of always rely on those. I've been in this industry forever. I can fall back on those, but it gives me the opportunity to try something new and something that I've always thought I'd be great at. Um, and, and I have the knowledge, so it's a matter of if I can actually connect with people. Sheesh. It's fire. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have anything to say to that. That's, no. I mean, it's what we're, yeah, it's what we've been promoting. Uh, um, I'm, I'm just more curious because I, I think one of the important things too is when you're working with people, like if you take on this position, in my eyes, you're now part of the team, not just like big content, but you're now part of Snapback. You're now part of like BDG as a team as a whole because we're all working so intimately together one of the other value props is you're allowed to use this studio equipment whenever yeah. you want obviously if you want to start doing your own content um in here more than welcome to uh but but what i think is like the way that you get the most out of the people you work with is by understanding what their long-term goal is right and being able to align our goals with what your goals are and when i talk to my guys like i i want to understand like where do you actually want to be and like what is what's your north star so that we can, even if, you know, if I know in five years, it's not you still working with me, let's like continue to work in that same direction. Mm -hmm. So then when the fork happens, we're both way closer to what our goal is then. So I'd like to ask that question just to get a feel for, you know, I, I there's no right or wrong answer. Well, I, I, I want to know. I want to re-ask the question because I don't know if you fully no, answered it, right? Like you, you gave a very real life and real world answer, which is, which is also what we've been promoting, which is like, people don't quit your job and just start thinking you're a full-time content creator. Sure. Take on a job here. You got to pay the bills. You got to, you know, do all these things. So in a perfect world, where are you in five years? Like, is it 
you are the top content creator for Arsenal in the United States. Is it, you know, whatever it may be. No, I mean, honestly, my, ever since I became a massive soccer fan, I was always an Arsenal fan growing up. Yeah. Then kind of like end of high school, early college, kind of realized like this is really my passion right now for some reason. And like, let's keep exploring that. Um, and then through this Arsenal thing, I mean, I think, yeah, my North Star is I'm one of the bigger American soccer content creators. I think okay. that's kind of a space that's still really open. Like if you look at soccer fans and what they say about American soccer content creators, yeah. they say they still don't know what they're talking about, yeah, which that's, I would tend to agree so, with. So my brother does soccer content for us. I don't know if you've seen his stuff. And he has been embracing the, which is the tagline, uh, like Americans talking ball, like they yeah. don't know soccer. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so a it, big problem. Yeah, but but what we like, I kept diving in with him because we taught him how to do the content. His TikToks took off, but then we had to take a step back and be like, all right, you know how to like get views and followers, but like no one cares. Like, what do you actually want? And then we took a step back and we were like, all right, twenty twenty six World Cup is here. 100%. That's when. So that actually gives you like three, four years to build. And that's, it's very rare because it's really the only sports moment that are the Olympics where you could actually say like, I have a plan for the next four years to get here. Like if you're talking football, everyone's so obsessed with by next season, by next season, by Mm -hmm. the end of the season. But for you guys in soccer, it's like, all right, everything I do over the next three years is so by the time the World Cups, you know, Fox is like, Oh, who actually know, you know, besides Alexi Lalas screaming on TV, 100%. who knows, who knows the sports yeah. and, so. and the amount of like change in the landscape from a creator perspective by then, yeah. they'll be way more open and there, there will be more eyeballs on yes. creators, like looking to take advantage yeah. of those opportunities. I, it honestly, in, in three years, it actually feels like there's not almost enough time. No, I, I, like, right, like, dude. With that, yeah. it, uh, I love that we yeah. think that way now, yeah. but it's almost like, yeah, like, like I, I would, three I, years I, to do yeah, this. I would feel well, anxious like you about have three years. So it starts, but you have, yeah. They're already starting to look for who they're going to be using right. for that, right? But so like, in this in the same vein, who's looking? Like in three years, it could just be your platform, right? Like you don't even need Fox 100%. at that point, which is also exciting. So, all right, it's good to know. Um, you and I mean, I I got to text Casey because he he was dealing with a little bit of a stomach bug, so I was like, don't come in if you're not course, feeling cause well because we have to do trivia with him today. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know he don't want but, to be on that. No, but I think this is this is also another one of Nick's passions, which is like have an office. He doesn't really know why the fuck they have an office, but he kind of sure. knows. And it's like you you come for in this, here for this. You come in here. Babita comes in here. We do soccer trivia. Casey, you know, throws up so that he can make it in here. <laughs> and then you and Casey have like an Arsenal Tottenham podcast out of nowhere. And now you're doing that. You're doing the academy. You're doing a live golf, and you're doing this. And it's like, all right, now you're. You know, you're really, yeah, you're starting to see <laughs> this the is vision. This is what our office is going to be like. Today, I know. You know, I know. it's going to be awesome. I know. Yeah, this, you said this office is nice. This is a piece of shit. Our new office, <laughs> woo, it's going to be pretty. 36th Street. It is, what are you doing? Up. What are you telling people where <laughs> It's a big street. It's a That's big fair. street. Uh, and our doorman, he's tough. He although is tough we can't identify who, who he is. Um, all right, cool. So we're going to talk off air. Uh, was the goal for Will to to take this and, and do a dry run or? Uh, I didn't. I went into this with the assumption that I would probably be editing for okay. this week again. All right. Um, but we could talk about that off air. Okay. All right. Well, have you done on camera stuff before? Um, just for my own self. Nothing for like any anybody else. No, but like even your Arsenal stuff. Have yeah, you yeah. Done I have a, a, I mean a very small sample size uh, on my TikTok. Okay. All right. Cool. 
Yeah, I've, I've been on a couple of time. other people's podcasts. Like in no, you're space. you're good on camera. So well, I did it all yeah. of college because I had to for my major. Right. right. Yeah. Okay. New house, right? New house. I hate new house. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. It's just you you joke about it and we talk about it. Like I know a bunch of people who did new house and everything you describe, which is like there is a path, a very defined path. Very. Defined. And if you want to follow that path, we've seen it be very successful. For sure. But if you look at Noah Eagle. It, I'm glad you brought him up I because was with him. no, I think Noah's fantastic. He's incredible. He's he is a By special. By the way, he was tech. that good at 18. Right, he and and incredible. and we we joke about that all. Do you know who this is? Iron Eagle's son. Do you know who Iron Eagle is? One of the best play-by-play. Uh, -play You'd play recognize. Guy. His voice. You would know his voice, and his yeah, his son's voice is very similar to his. Noah Eagle, like, is. So there's a very defined path. And, and if you ground that path and have talent, I, I think people would make it if that's the path they want to choose. Is that still the case? Because sports are tough to break into. And Noah has, he has a leg up. Like the last of name, 100%. Of course he does. So do you think that, I'm not saying it's a fair chance, but do you still think in today's world, following that path is actually still viable? Or do you actually need to go do your own thing? I, to My feeling was during school that like this path doesn't make sense anymore yeah like is that really how they're gonna find the next marv albert he's gonna go that's how sports i feel coverage in yeah. lansing and then in syracuse and then maybe he gets a job at cbs2 or he goes and covers uh, i don't know like lacrosse league or something like yeah. that like that's no. that's how i feel I, I which is even that defined path which is like one of his uh interns left for espn because he thought or he thinks that following this path will like, cause there is a very defined path there sure. and you'll, you'll be able to like kind of take those steps up. But I don't know in 2023, I can't say there is like their <laughs> number one show is Pat McAfee, which is a YouTube show, you know? Yeah. So well, I, yeah. I, I also kind of think there's credence to the idea of like being a freelance content creator, but before you're financially a freelance content creator, mm -hmm. like you're throwing shit against the wall. And eventually you'll hit a leverage point. You know what I mean? Like eventually it could be multiple sports. It could be multiple different podcasts. Like you're doing a whole lot of shit until one thing kind of sticks for you. And it might not be the thing you originally set out for, but like that's where I think a lot of people will end up coming from is the fact that like, oh, I'm passionate about sports or I'm passionate about content. It's just start making it. And you don't know like, and in my time, like how many different types of content have you made? Like, you know, I've, I've blogged, I've done podcasts, I've done different types of podcasts. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, like the number I of shows to, you've been on, the yeah. number of, features you've been like all this shit is a combination that eventually like maybe adds up to something blowing and well, that's just, where i think most yeah. people come from and you're building a portfolio or will. You're yeah exactly a portfolio and that's the biggest thing which is the traditional path the portfolio is montana mm -hmm. you know lacrosse <laughs> league uh minor league hockey and then maybe you get your chance this is the same thing like someone will find you if you combine the talent with the hard work there's yeah. no 100 all right. Well, Take us away, Jack. Yeah, hit the subscribe button, hit the <laughs> like button. We're very good at calls to action here, uh, which might be your role in reminding us, hey, guys, we're 20 minutes in. This is a good time to, you know, drop a little a little hint for people to tune in for more. So uh, appreciate you for popping over. We're going to have a little combo. Appreciate the big content, Familia, for tuning in. And um, I am gone the next two weeks, so we either will go virtual or – have him take over full-time for you. Yeah. You never know. All right, peace. Should we just have Will come sit when he gets here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Welcome. We could bring him in. No, we should. Part of the, the show? If we're still shooting while he comes in? He'll, I mean, we definitely will be.
Are you ready? How do I look? What do you mean? Like, in why, the would shot. You, why would you look different than any other week? Because I was just sitting over there. I just want to make sure I'm in the right spot. Mm. <sighs> mm. I'm speaking today with Liz to the MIU. You're what? I'm speaking with Liz to some MIU students. In person? Mm-hmm. Where? In MIU? their business school? <laughs> yeah, in the business school. What are y'all t- yapping about? Um, same thing we did at VidCon, kind of. I think we're just talking sports gaming. Sports gaming? Yeah. That's what they call the industry that underdog's in. Oh. It's Wouldn't know. Sp- it's not sports betting. <laughs> sports gaming. Um, I wanted to tweet, and I probably will tweet, didn't get into MIU's business school, but speaking there today. Don't. don't. And that just replied, like, I didn't apply. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's not bad. Where'd you apply to school? Um, Texas. Really? Yeah. Tech. A and M. Arts and music. Um, I, ne- I I applied to some schools that I definitely didn't visit, like Texas, Miami. Yeah. Um, really, because I was just so into college football at the time, <laughs> and like, how could I have not applied yeah, there? Yeah. And then most of them were kind of in the area on the East Coast. What um, years were you in school? Twenty eleven to fourteen. Or 2010 to 14, I guess. Yeah, you would have had some pretty average Texas football. Yeah. I mean, I had the worst four years in Texas history. That also just feels like the last 10 years has been... No, no, no. My four years were literally the worst four-year stretch in Texas football. Who was, like, the best player to come out of that span? They didn't have anyone drafted. Like, it was insane. Really? Michael Dixon was the best player to come out from when I was there. Michael Dixon? Is that a tight end? No, he's the punter for the Seahawks. He's <laughs> fucking unreal. Oh, my God. But no, it was, like, crazy. I mean, there were probably fifth or sixth. Like, Deshaun Elliott was there when I was there. Okay. Um, Bijan was there after I was there, I think, was his, his first year. So you got to see Deonta Foreman? Did I see Deonta? <gasps> no, nah, he might have been earlier then. Deonta. No, I probably was there. There was there was some there were actually some running backs who were nasty. Roshan was there. Um but Roshan was recruited as a quarterback. <laughs> like I saw yeah, we saw some crazy stuff. It was Charlie Strong, Tyrone Swoops was mm. QB, Sam Ellinger's freshman year. Um Hang. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was it was ugly. There was I'll never forget like the I want to say the the Lowest point in Texas football history was we went to a noon game, well, 11 a.m. game against Oklahoma State, and Oklahoma State was ranked. And this was Sam's freshman year when, like, there was still potential that maybe if they won a few games in the Big 12, maybe they go to the Big 12 championship or something. And it was, like, 10-10 the whole game. And goes into overtime, and Oklahoma State kicks a field goal. And Texas gets down to, like, the five in overtime. And Sam rolls to his left, throws a ball into the end zone. Like, throws it so casually that it was like, oh, my God, we just won the game. Like, someone's probably wide open. He literally threw the ball to the other team. (laughs) And I was just sitting there like, 
what the fuck just happened? Like, what? Where did this school go? Like, there was no one even remotely close to the ball. Like, he just handed the. Yeah, it was crazy. It was a tough decade. I'm trying to think if we we beat OU at I want to say once in my four years there. That was also when they were running out like Kyler Hurts and Mayfield. Jeez. Yeah, it was like it was polar opposites. Texas OU. Good times though. Was it? I mean, school was fun. Yeah. Football was terrible. They didn't win a basketball game either. Tournament game. My sophomore year, they lost on a half-court shot. They're always, like, fraudulent in basketball, though, except yeah. for, like, yeah. super recent. No, no, no. No, they're always fraudulent. Like, mm-hmm. even this last year, this was the year they should have been the Final Four. They blew a 13-point lead to Miami. Um, but we're back. We're okay. back now. Enough. Okay. Sorry. If every, if Where'd you go to school? Marist. Marist. Marist College. Where is it? PA or New York? New York. Poughkeepsie, New York. You were like, I love college football. Marist. <laughs> great, great. <laughs> Women's basketball team. Really? Yeah. I feel like I, I D one. Yeah. We almost. I think I, my freshman year, possibly. I think we might have taken down Duke. Really? In the in the in the bracket, something like that. Yeah. It's like the claim to fame here. What's well, that? It's good. It's good stuff. Was it fun? Yeah. Small school is fun. Do you ever go back? Uh, my roommate actually just hit me up like two days ago, being like, "We should go back for the ten year." I'm like, my first thought was like, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> hell no. Um, no, I, I think I might've gone back the year after, but I yeah. don't think I've been back since then. Wow. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of crazy to think about what, what part of that? Just like you spent four years there and then it's like, you're not yeah. back for like a decade, you know? Yeah. But it like catches up. Like I didn't go back to school for like three or four years. And it was like, oh, wow, that's weird. Well, yeah, it, I mean, it's also like you kind of have to have a purpose if you're going back at this point and yeah. you have to have like a really solid group of people. Yeah. yeah, unless you're going to see Duke Maris. Yeah, hoops. unless I'm talking to the business school. <laughs> yeah. Didn't get into the business school. But 